Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Cool part about it 
was uh, hearing the cheers and enthusiasm of New Yorkers, uh, the joy of getting out the out of the Bush era and celebrating the historic moment. Uh, we elected our, our first African-American president. Uh, so I got to hear the cheers and the enthusiasm as I'm on this ride home. But the bad part was that I was in Queens, so uh, I was trying to get to the Upper West Side. No good. Uh, you know, one time I took a cab from the Upper West Side back to Queens, and it cost like over $50. Never again. I don't think, I've never intentionally taken a cab again until the hurricane. So let me, let me just explain that. I even got off a stop early to hopefully catch uh, the, pres- the, the newly elected, the president-elect speech in some bar. Um, I got off at 103rd and Broadway, and I ran. And my stop at the time was the 110th Street stop. Yeah, because I was on 108th between Amsterdam and Broadway. Um, and I could, I could vaguely hear the tail end of Senator Obama's speech, but it wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was live or not. And as I was running, I ran into my friend and frequent Blazing Rye guest, panelist, and co-host Michelle Kinney. Uh, we caught up. Bad timing. It was also embarrassing. She saw me running like a maniac. And I was, I'm telling you, I was sweating. I was running. I looked like I had bronchitis. Well, I missed the speech live. Of course, I watched it later, but I do regret not staying at Elder's apartment in Astoria a bit longer. The only consolation was that I got to hear the reaction of the city firsthand. But after four years, you would think I had learned my lesson. I was at Boxers NYC the other night with my friends Casey and Brian. Uh, Obama was getting close to the 270 electoral votes that he needed, but no cigar yet. Uh, Brian decided to leave. Casey and I really needed food, so... The president had just received 254 electoral votes. I didn't know how long it would take. I knew it was a risky move, but but I decided to take it. So Casey and I walk out of Boxers, Bar in, in Chelsea, uh, but it's on like 20th and 5th. And we start rushing to 8th Avenue. And, of course, I'm getting frustrated because I walk faster than anyone else. So, so Casey's just, you know, ain't nobody got time for her stride. Um, and we were rushing to 8th Avenue where we could hopefully find a dining establishment airing the broadcast with sound. Uh, not even three minutes go by, and guess what happens? My phone gets bombarded with texts. It was my friend's liberal and conservative telling me Obama won. I did it again! I walked away, and the world changed forever. However, this time, I did not make the mistake of going home. I stayed at Flight 151, a dive bar in Chelsea, and watched speeches to their conclusion. You know, it was, it was a hard-fought battle. And I'd say about three times a year I feel a certain way in a good way. You know, usually certain way equals bad. Uh, but this time it was certainly in a good way. My guy won, and, you know, that makes me feel a good certain way. It also makes me feel a good certain way that gay marriage was passed in four out of four states. It makes me feel a good certain way that the election in its end result was not contaminated by Citizens United. And it makes me feel a good certain way that in the end, the true American ideals of equality, women's rights, and looking out for one fellow American won in the end. It makes me feel a good certain way that the majority of Americans don't believe it's every man for himself. I knew when it came to basic human rights, we could not go backwards. I'm glad America knew that, too. Congratulations to Barack Obama on another four years in office. Um, oh, okay. So what else is going on? We have on the show tonight uh, the week, uh, Rob Reifert from The Weekenders, as well as uh, Chris Sevier from 
really hope I'm pronouncing that right, American Propaganda. So let's start with a song by um, by Rob and the Weekenders. Uh, Rob, I believe I saw you on the line before, and it looks like you're gone now, so if you want to call back, uh, that would be fantastic. But let's start with this song. Let's start with uh, 20 Armed Men by the Weekenders, and we'll be right back with Rob Reinford.
and uh, I needed to get that story out. And um, I think I wrote the lyrics to that first. Uh, I just it, they just all came out. I put on the the nightlight, and they they basically fell out. I went back to bed, and then the next day. Uh, the riff just kind of fell out of my head too. So it was, that one was, you know, that one was just in there and waiting to come out. So uh, I think it had been a long time coming since I hadn't really shared that story with anyone. And, uh, and I, and I needed to do so. Tell me about this story. What, what, what exactly is the story upon which the song is based? That's really just like a, you know, it's an account of, you know, the story is a long one, uh, but the song is just basically a, an account of uh, of how my arrest went down and just the the day the day I was arrested, I got into a little trouble a couple of years back, and uh, that song just basically goes through my day there. Um, you know, one morning I woke up and uh, some guy was at my door. And he was wondering if my neighbors were around. He was a he had a DHL delivery jacket on, and he wanted to deliver a package to my neighbors. And uh, he said, "I know your neighbors are really old. I, I'm trying to drop off this package. I'm not sure if they're around." And uh, I got really scared, you know. And uh, I'm like, "Oh, let's check on him." I mean, my 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 neighbor's 86 years old. And uh, then he told me, no, 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 I'll just go back over there. Don't worry about it. And he kind of gave me this, I just got a weird vibe from him. And so as he's walking away, I'm looking out the door, and I don't see a DHL truck anywhere. Mm -hmm. He's in a DHL suit. And I'm watching him just walk down the street. And uh, I go, oh, here it comes. Uh, I basically go, go to my room to grab my phone. And uh, I'm looking for my I'm looking for my lawyer's business card somewhere around in my room. I anticipated getting arrested, so I had really I wanted to get my uh, what's that? So you you had a you had always had an inkling that you would be arrested at some point. Well, there were uh, you know there was a there was a case that well yeah I mean I. <laughs> I guess that, you know, that's a story in and of itself. A mm-hmm. friend was arrested a few months prior on a on a trafficking case, and uh, about a month afterwards I get a, a nice little memo from the DEA. Hey, do you want to claim 700000 in cash found at an apartment that you resided in in California? Of course, I didn't, um, you know, answer that. I just called my lawyer and... Uh, and then he said, well, you know, we don't know what's going on, but I would prepare I would prepare for the worst. And so I did, and uh, three months go by, and this happens. This guy shows up at my front door, and he's acting all weird, and he doesn't go back to his DHL truck. And so I got the vibe immediately. Here it comes. Let me, give my, let me find this number, give my lawyer a call, and before I could put my ducks in a row, they were bashing down the door. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what, did, what did you do to, to get in this position in the first place? I was arrested on a conspiracy charge traffic, uh, some pot across country. Um, 
I don't think it was – I think there wasn't – initially maybe there wasn't too much interest and they ended up finding, you know, more pot and a bunch of cash. And, uh, you know, the more cash they find, the more concerned they get. They get, you know, because um, mm-hmm. they want to make, make more money, you know. Uh, I mean, there's sure. other business. They're in it to, to make money, and uh, that's how they that's how they pay their employees. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think they were intrigued. There was a there was a, a fair amount of, of money, and uh, they wanted to keep following the, the trail and the train to see if they could dig up any more. You know. Um, well, you're 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 good now, right? You're all <laughs> everything is all gravy train now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'm on probation. That's really not mm-hmm. a big deal for me because uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm a good boy these days, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's talk a bit about your music. Uh, Ralph Renna of Capital Underground Radio said, just when you thought rock music was controlled by bad hair and eyeliner, the weekenders are the kick to the head that rock needed. Now, what decade does Mr. Renna think it is? <laughs> That's, I I kind of I was joking around that too. I was like, wow, I didn't know. I'm like, who wears eyeliner these days? But uh, <laughs> maybe there's people out there. I, and I don't have any problem with that. Uh, I just yeah, I, it seemed like it was a reference to the '80s for sure. Uh, yeah. I know we're a little past that. You know, I thought that was definitely. Well, that was an interesting comment. Thank <laughs> you. I think Ralph might be in a little trouble. I think we need to get him some help. Um, now, uh, I mean, I can think of a handful of bands now that, that have uh, eyeliner, like, say, uh, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, but uh, it's minimal and their hair's not, not bad. <laughs> so John Farmer from uh, American Musicians Radio said, your music is uh, reminiscent of Zeppelin, Hendrix, Stone Temple Pilots, and Wolf Mother. Now, one of these groups really sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Uh, do, do you do you think that you guys are um, uh, are influenced by by those bands? I mean, I like all those artists. I wouldn't say they're they're huge influences. Um, um, but I don't have a problem with any of those bands. I think they're all good bands, and uh, mm-hmm. and I can see how we can hear some of that. Um, sure. Stuff. And yeah, I guess the one that stuck out to me was Wolf Mother because it's like it's this list of legends, and then Zeppelin, Hendrix, STP, and then Wolf Mother. Ah. All right, fair enough. Um, and uh, Rob Gary, you know, I quote. I can only defend my team. Gavin Sheehan from City Weekly said your music is somewhere between Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Space Rock, 70s Jam, and Blues Z Rock. How many drugs do you need to take to get that sound? <laughs> well, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I've been sober for years, um, mm-hmm. and, and oddly enough, a lot of those bands, um, 
while they have used drugs, like many of us have, uh, the you know, drugs really aren't the influence. You know, the, the experiences are the influence, and, and sometimes drugs can put you in those experiences, but I don't think, like, uh, you know, any of those, any of, any of the people in those bands will say that, that drugs played a, a major role in their music. Uh, I think Pink Floyd gets a kind of a weird rap for that. Uh, you know, everybody kind of refers to them as, like, a really drug and psychedelic band, but those guys, uh, you know, obviously they've used psychedelics, but um, you, you listen to anything from Roger Waters, like he hasn't really used that many psychedelics, and uh, yeah, the sound is psychedelic, uh, uh-huh. but you know, the, you know, I, I don't think, um, I think their music comes from their collective experiences, and it's not really like, uh, it's not really all about the drugs, you know, people, people do drugs because they're fun, you know, and uh, they sometimes add to the experience, but I don't, I don't think these bands are like rooted in drugs. You know? Right. Um, your bio says you were raised by classic rock and Motown, but were seduced by grunge. What was it? The flannel shirts? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm 33, so I'm a 90s kid. Um, you know, obviously, uh, my parents and my relatives listened to a lot of classic rock. My dad, um, my dad was a a soul singer in a band. He listens to a ton of Motown and uh, doo-wop and and uh, soul music from you know the Drifters to Sam Cooke, um, James Brown, and so. Um, hard not to be influenced by those by those groups um, and obviously I was a teenager in the 90s so um, for me I was really into like older music when I was younger and the stuff mm-hmm. that was happening that was that was kind of mainstream I wasn't into and it wasn't until I started kind of hearing uh these underground 90s bands and then soon to become not underground mainstream 90s bands that I and music just became a, a bigger picture, a bigger part of my life. Um, so. mm-hmm. And who were some of those, those bands? bands are really good. Uh, I, I, for rock, um, I li- used to listen to a ton of Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, mm-hmm. Those those were my boys. Not, they were heavy and hard, and um, and kind of as a drummer, I kind of started as a drummer. Uh, Jimmy Chamberlain was a huge influence. He has that that tastefulness and that kind of that jazzier approach, and he he just he's just perfect. He just plays what's right for the music. But I think I was more influenced by. Um, by some more indie bands at the time in the 90s uh, and not indie as we have now, just kind of like independent off-the-radar type of stuff like Medeski, Martin, and Wood, the stuff they were doing in the 90s, and bands like um, Bemfolds 5 and Morphine and Soul Coughing. You know, they weren't really in the forefront of the scene, but they they had 
they had successful careers because they built their they built their band organically uh, through touring, and uh, they kind of built up these cult followings. You know, you don't really hear like those guys on the radio. Maybe Ben Folds, he broke out of that scene, but um, yeah. you don't really hear the other bands that I mentioned too much on the radio. Uh, but they had good followings because their live show was great. You go to see those bands live, and the musicianship is top notch, and uh, they really know how to bring it. And they were doing something that was totally different, um, mm-hmm. especially bands like Medeski Martin Wood. Is there anyone uh, today that you're you're just that uh, any bands um, that are out right now, kind of newer newer bands in the mainstream that you're digging right now? Yeah, I I, I wouldn't I don't know if they're in the in the total mainstream, but there's a duo based out of Baltimore called Y Oak. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. They're actually pretty popular mm-hmm. these days. Uh, they're a duo, yeah, not. and uh, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Drummer actually plays one hand and keyboards with the left hand, which is, you know, for a music nerd, is really cool. Uh, but mm-hmm. his sound is, is fits the music. It's full and it's it's beautiful. It's not like he's doing something just to show off. Uh, it's, um, right. Uh, and how, um, Rob, did you get the name? Uh, how did you get the name The Weekender? It's actually a borrowed name. Um, and I, my uncle used to have a band called The Weekenders back in the day, and uh, I wanted to kind of pay tribute to the musicians in my family and uh, resurrect the old project in a new form. Uh, I know he's pretty psyched on it and um, he has a lot of enthusiasm for music he's a record collector and I just thought it would be a cool thing to do um, kind of pay mm-hmm. homage to my relatives kind of like a tribute there that's, that's nice and can you tell me uh, what what is fuzz laden riff rock That's something that a bio writer wrote. Uh, so fuzz <laughs> is just, you know, you know what fuzz is. Uh, fuzz is a sound. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I'm like kind of a pedal junkie. I've narrowed down my pedals, but I'm always, I always like to explore new pedals, and I love fuzz. Um, you know, fuzz is kind of that sound that came out of grunge where people started tweaking pedals and, well, it's actually way pre-grunge, you know, that David Gilmore used to use a fuzz pedal. Uh, you know, even uh, plenty of garage bands in the 60s used fuzz, but, you know, fuzz kind of died out. You didn't really hear much fuzz in the 80s. It was overdrive and distortion. And uh, and then it kind of came back in the 90s again. And fuzz just sounds great. Uh, I think it does. I, th- I don't think a lot of people like fuzz, but I, I sure love it. And... Uh, I'll I'll keep collecting weird pedals and and try to make tones dirty and dirtier and and more interesting. Fuzz is also cool because it it tends to break apart and it becomes uh, it's very inconsistent and that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Uh, but 
sometimes your pedals will kind of surprise you and uh it adds an unpredictability to the to the music and uh it keeps you on your toes awesome um now reverb nation named uh you guys uh, one of their featured artists fan page featured your music the salt lake tribune and relix magazine is giving you some attention uh tell me about this this atten- attention you're getting now that that must feel good It's nice. Um, I it was on. It's unexpected, um, mm-hmm. and we're grateful for it. Is all we can say. Uh, uh, hopefully, you know. Really, the only goal is to play. Um, is to keep playing shows and to keep kind of growing our our fan base, fan base slowly and uh, organically. Uh, you know, it would be great one day. If, be able to, to play shows and, and be able to feed myself. Um, yeah. So. And how did you guys get the name The Weekenders? Uh, sorry, that's not what I meant to ask. How did you meet the other Weekenders? How did you meet the other guys in the band? Kind of gone through some people over the years. Uh, we haven't been a band that long. Everybody asks, how long have you been a band? And I'm always like, well, which band? Uh We've gone mm-hmm. through some people. Um, you know, everybody's got different agendas. Um, I met the drummer, my original drummer, uh, years ago. We were kind of doing this, uh, like, this instrumental groove type thing. Um, and uh, he always had a great feel. When I started to get back into music and writing a lot, he was the first person I called. He ended up moving back to New York. And uh, so I was kind of bummed, but then he's like, yeah, I'm actually thinking about moving back to Utah. Like, I just finished up school here, and I'm like, nice. And then I get a call from him a couple of days later. He's like, yeah, I'm on the road right now. I'll be there in three days. So we linked up again, and then from there we started just trying to find people, networking, you know, Craigslist. And uh, we've gone through the gamut of people since. You know, people move on. People get jobs. People, A lot of people want to be in a band. Uh, for various reasons, uh, some people want to be in a band to get them out of the house, you know, because mm-hmm. they got a wife and kids and need something to do. And a lot of people want to be in a band so they can play local shows and party. A lot of people want to be in a band just, you know, just for various reasons. And and uh, you know, my reason for it is because I love to play music and. I can't see myself really doing much else, but um, it's mm-hmm. kind of what I have to do. And there's nothing I would rather do. Um, so not everyone was as uh, focused as as I was in making it actually happen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I would practice every day. You know? <laughs> My bandmates right. wanted to practice every day. I'd be you know, uh, mm-hmm. not everybody wants to do that. A lot of people just want to just want to get out of the house, and uh, you know, people came across other jobs, other careers, moving to different places for various reasons. So, we've definitely gone through a rotating cast. Um, so it makes it interesting, but it seems to keep getting better and better. So, uh, well, that's that's what's important. Let it be. Um, yeah. So uh, Rob Reinsford, you can check him out at uh, theweekendersmusic.com. 
follow him on Twitter at the Weekenders. And um, I'm before we go, I want to play another song of yours. Can you tell us a little bit about Yankee Easy Sugar? Yeah, Yankee Easy Sugar is about a girl. Uh, just a real, a real, uh, a raw, a real sexy and mysterious woman that was unable to uh, keep around. Fair enough. All right, Rob Reinfurt, um we're going to leave this segment there. I'm going to play the song. Uh, thank you so much for doing it, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time. Um, we're we're just grateful uh, folks like you are listening. Absolutely, Rob. Uh, take care, and here they are, the Weekenders with Yankee Easy Sugar. We'll be right back with Chris Sidier from American Propaganda.
That was The Weekenders with Yankee Easy Sugar. Uh, coming up on the program, we have Chris Sevier. I have no clue if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not. Usually when we uh, book artists, there are, uh, there are station IDs that uh, can determine, for me, how to pronounce their names. Uh, in this case, we have plenty of music, um, <laughs> but I had no, no station ID saying the name. Uh, so I'm just going based on what it looks like to me. It looks like it could be a French name. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back with Chris Devier from American Propaganda. And what we're going to do now is play a song uh, by them called All the Way. Be right back with Chris. Thank you. That's a very sufficient applause you have there. 
<laughs> so how how do you pronounce your name? Am I am I wrong here? I'm saying it like it's French. Yeah, yeah, severe. Uh huh. Like Se- a severe. severe hurricane. Oh, severe. Okay. Yeah. It's very severe. Yeah. It's a very gangster. It's a very gangster last name. I like it. Sorry. Right. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, um, tell me a little bit about that that song that we just heard. Uh, this pretty much it's yeah you know, a lot of the themes I kind of base a lot of the, the lyrics off of are just like relationships, kind of on again, off again, kind of like uh, you know kind of a bittersweet um, kind of breaking up, getting back together kind of uh, song that was written after uh, it was a girl I was dating that was kind of on again, off again with, and uh, it is kind of like um, the, the chorus talking about going all the way, it's just kind of. Just ended up deciding just to kind of try to jump in and uh, kind of feet you know head first into a relationship and just instead of having all these concerns holding holding back just went ahead and said you know let's kind of do this thing so that's pretty much what the lyrics for that one's about so and and who who can't relate to a situation like that that's uh, that's a very universal uh, universal thing I think people get afraid of committing to something and they don't know what's going to happen and so they don't do it but yeah sometimes you just got to jump in yeah kind of all, the relationship the heart stuff definitely you know, I, I think it's just like music it's definitely kind of you know, a universal language it's something that kind of transcends it's been my observation today being with uh, mm-hmm. having get the, the privilege of working with different musicians from like you know Russia and, you know then hanging out with different uh, females from all over parts of the world so definitely transcendent. Sure. Uh, now, you, Chris, have been a military officer, lawyer, music producer, CEO. Uh, tell me how that happened. Uh, you forgot uh, a janitor. I was a janitor for one summer uh, in high school. Yeah, not forget that. Uh, yeah, you know, I just had different kind of objectives and different kind of goals, and uh, those things were not always kind of, you know, mutually consistent, so to speak, or exclusive, and I just felt like, uh, you know, just want to kind of have an impact. It's my overall kind of driving motivation in the different areas where I've tried to kind of excel at, and uh, I definitely think some things come more natural to me than others, and, um, you know, the military thing was something I was probably called to do. Uh, music, for, for whatever reason, is just kind of, especially writing, is just something that kind of come natural to me. And mm-hmm. so I've had the privilege of working with, like, you know, producing over 26 records and working with a lot of really good artists. And I started when I was really young, like back in the seventh grade. You know, we'd play in bands where everyone else would be in high, you know, college, and I would be, like, barely in high school <laughs> going on the road. Uh-huh. So I got started really young. And, uh, you know, it just felt like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish um, with the military, becoming an officer and deploying to Iraq, you know, combat one time, and then uh, same thing with the law, you know, I um, <clears throat> got to litigate a couple of cases to the Circuit Court of Appeals, and uh, tried some really high-profile entertainment law cases, and felt like I kind of checked that box as well, and I just really feel like I can have the most impact by creating a lot of electronic music and working with a bunch of DJs to kind of, you know, not only promote my own career, but also kind of cross promote what they're doing as well, so it's really rewarding. Yeah. Very puzzling. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's always... Go ahead. Um, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it's like the, 
military and law is kind of like a making of kind of a constructive making of war, where it's like making music is like an effect of you know kind of like making pr- promoting love, so to speak, in a way. So, you know, it's definitely sure. much more uplifting to be engaged in something that we're you know kind of positive. Uh, there's just I, there's very limited downside to making music, so it's definitely the most fulfilling. I love it. I love how you know we're going to be able to cross cross music. Blend it in with fashion stuff, and how we're gonna try to like fuse it with a lot of overseas mission work. So it's not just music, but it's music's the primary focus. So right. And Chris, you you say that joining the the military was was a, a calling. Um, do you know why you felt that? Was it did you always have a a profound love of country, or what what, what made you um, decide to go? Yeah. A lot of all of this is like I definitely I can say that I stayed true to all my childhood dreams. One childhood dream was music. Another one was military. Another one was law, just because my my dad's a lawyer and everything. And uh, but yeah, that the military was had grandfathers that were you know in World War Two, and uh, saw a lot of people from my dad's generation stuff. They were in Vietnam, and I just always really looked up to a lot of those guys that were officers, and you know wanted to. Uh, I felt like just wanted to serve like they did in an officer capacity and kind of kind of try to get the kind of character that they had and um, and also the other thing is if music, if military was a great counterbalance to music where you know when running the label at Severe Records like you know, there was really no rules in, in, in uh, music you, know, you could wake up whenever you could kind of you could kind of do whatever and so it, it kind of created some form of uh, accountability personal accountability, so to speak. So I thought it was a good right. counterbalance to, uh, you know, making music. So it helped me kind of stay above the influence first. So for me, it was a good good step for, for just, you know, for, for the time I was there. So. Do you find that after having having served in Iraq, has that uh, affected your your music um, at all? Yeah, I mean, the, po- the powerful part about music is it's, is, incredibly therapeutic. I mean, it's like, I don't think anybody can deny, like, the healing propensities that are infused in art. And so, I mean, whether it's war, which is very traumatic, or, you know, breaking up with, you know, a relationship that goes bad, music is is a perfect vehicle to, like, kind of release certain emotions. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, I definitely admittedly came back from Iraq with a lot of PTSD. I mean, I, I don't see how any soldier who goes outside the wire uh, can't be impacted by it. There'd be something wrong with you if you weren't impacted by you know some things that you would experience being in a combat environment. So I think for sure that music has been like an incredible outlet for mm-hmm. you know kind of like. Um, be able to uh, express and re- kind of like release, so to speak, emotions and feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. And even even sure. when I write songs, if they're not necessarily exactly true, if it's like an interpretation of things felt, still this kind of like uh, internal release of some kind of emotions that promote healthy psychology, I think. So, I mean, that's right. been my experience, I mean, personally. So... I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, that's the case with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I, even even listening to other people's music for me is it, it, it's 
kind of a healing thing in a respect, you know. Um, on top of the fact, it's really fun. You know? <laughs> so. Sure. And uh, how did you get the name American Propaganda? Well, let's see. Part of um, I, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely guilty of being an idealist. I mean, I definitely as a lawyer, I'm an idealist. As an overseas missionary, I'm an idealist. In serving the military, I'm an idealist. And I, I, you know, I definitely have things to say. And I studied politics at Vanderbilt, and so I'm interested in that kind of stuff. And uh, one thing that I was always really kind of pounding on is a, like a young lawyer that was always been fighting against people that are like almost sometimes like three times older than me or, you know, older than my dad and stuff. And uh, a big theme that I always kind of promoted was kind of promoting the idea of the rule of law and different kind of systems. And so... I definitely have you know, a lot of interest in different politics, political spheres, and uh, I've always just been, you know, believed that a lot of music is a lot of propaganda. You know, the idea of making a star is, you know, you're projecting someone in the most favorable light, and so it's, it just creates a good theme for us to play with in terms of how it can attach to the different kind of marketing things that we hope to get involved with. So. That, that would be so. I mean, it's like I, mean, I could go on for a while about explaining that, but I thought it's that. Yeah, I definitely think, how, especially our mission of how we hope to kind of use proceeds from music into helping different kind of charitable organizations. I think that it's an American thing to do, and I think it's. Uh, I, I like playing with this idea of trying to, you know, making things larger than life as far as some kind of propaganda machine. <laughs> sure. Um, now, you can't really have a name like American Propaganda without talking about uh, last week's election results. Were you were you happy with the outcome? Well, here's the thing. There's some, in terms of that kind of specific politics, in terms of those areas, like I actually kind of pulled back from, mm-hmm. so to speak. That's a little bit kind of contradictory to what I just said to some extent. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's in terms of specific politics, I mean, the only thing I'll say about this past election is like, I think some. I think South Park summarized it pretty well when they had that episode where they, they had to vote for a school mascot. And he had two options: a douchebag and a turd sandwich. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Say <laughs> this: this different past election we, uh, was not the most interesting one to me of all the ones we got. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more. I okay. definitely would say that I. I, I would. I, I would like to put. The, I think. I'd hope that individuals would focus more on the impact that they could personally have, you know, for their community versus what either of those candidates could prospectively have for their own community. I think that there's definitely a misplacement of focus in that regard. So I'm definitely much more focused on in ways, you know, like, for example, our band could be used as a vehicle to promote something good versus you know, compared to who's in which office from which party at which time. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Chris, not to say that those are important elections, but go ahead. Right. Uh, you were the songwriter and guitarist for the Pierces. You guys signed with uh, Epic. Um, that band is currently on tour with Coldplay. Uh, why, why did you leave the band? Yeah, you know, my strength was, was writing and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not good at accounting. I'm very bad at that. I gotta have help with that. But writing, for whatever reason, <laughs> came like really natural to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I pretty much was writing songs for them. And when they got signed, 
you know, I kind of was like, well, you know, I could write for other artists, too. And then I turned around and started writing for Elliot Morris, and then he got signed. And I turned around and started writing for Chance, and then he got signed. And, you know, then I started writing for Suzanne Sanford, and she went to jail for cocaine. You know, <laughs> just like, well, I'm going to keep writing for these artists, you know. So mm-hmm. I didn't really want to put all my eggs in one basket. And I'm, I'm glad that um, I made that decision. I think that that was definitely the right call. So, um so there's no part of you really now good. that when you see them out touring with, with a, a major band, there's no part of you now that kind of wishes you were still uh, in it? Absolutely not. I'm really happy mm-hmm. with my electronic stuff. It, it will work, and I'm really happy with the band. I'm ecstatic about the different DJs that I'm working with right now mm-hmm. and the different the different tracks that we're coming up with. I'm so glad I'm a lawyer. I'm so glad I got to serve my country in combat. I'm so excited that I get to go on overseas mission trips. And I don't think any of that would have been possible had I not decided to not put all my eggs in that one basket. And those girls are great and they're awesome. And they're, they are, you know, they play some great shows. They've done some really exciting things. And, um, uh, you know, being the singer of a band, I kind of get to control this shit, so to speak. So I really hope that you drive that way to have real material impact. So, sure. And your um, uh, your bio says that uh, to bring further balance to your life, you joined the army and became an officer. Uh, you didn't want to try anything else first, like yoga. <laughs> that that would have been a lot easier, right? I mean. <laughs> Pretty much one thing about the military is it, it, in one respect is that you are kind of like getting being paid to work out. It's like having a personal mm-hmm. trainer, but the personal trainer is paying you. So, right. it, yeah, I mean, that, you know, it could definitely factor in other, you know, do other things, obviously. Uh, you go hiking regularly, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, uh, you know, for accountability purposes, self-accountability, if you're really, you're going to be impacted by it. And actually, you know, some for some folks, I think the military could possibly be really, really destructive, actually. But for other folks, it, it's the right fit. It could be, you know, could be mutually beneficial. So, have you kept your military uh, body? Have you have you stayed in shape? Yeah, you know, the thing is, is I, I've got some guys playing with me, and I think everybody in the band kind of was very, very much uh, model left. and. Uh, it definitely became uh, clear to me when some different lady friends that I was interested in started asking me if I could pair them up with some of the, the band members or whatnot. So, you know, one thing we're doing unapologetically is we're getting involved with a lot of this fashion stuff, and we're mm-hmm. hoping to kind of use that to kind of cross-promote the band. And so, you know, we're it's pretty funny because, you know, we're just photo shoot recently uh, in the Hamptons in New York, and uh, I was it was me with all these, like, A-plus model models, actually. People have been in front of GQ magazine. People have been modeling for overseas for years. And, uh, you know, I've got no credential in that area. But right before we did the shoot, you know, I was blasting my record. So it kind of helped me, like, get the mind frame. So, you know, to say I can compete against these guys because at least have some other angles that maybe they don't have covered down on. But uh, so that's right. a new form of accountability, you know. When, when uh, some, some, you know, Fashion folk comes up to me and goes, "Man, you're gonna have to work on your stomach." I'm like, "Cool, I Roger that. I can go square that away." <laughs> it's like <laughs> there might be a new form of accountability in that. So, uh-huh. yeah. Huh? You're all about that accountability. Um, yeah, you know, so... personal accountability. Good stuff. Yeah, sure. Personal <laughs> growth. You know, always growing, trying different challenges and stuff. I think you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I think it's short-sighted for me just to be focused on one specific thing, so to speak, in terms of if I only just focus on music, I'd rather use it as a vehicle to some other greater end. You know, and the great end that we're kind of focusing on is stuff like going on mission trips to Haiti, going to Vietnam, going to Peru, and uh, going and trying to, you know, use any excess capital that we're, we're, we make from doing music to give away to to those in need. And that is hugely fulfilling, incredibly mm-hmm. fulfilling. So. Sure, and I, I read that your intent is to get nearly every dollar your band earns to to these sort of outreach programs for the disadvantaged. Uh, tell me a little more about that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I think that I feel the happiest and the most alive when I am doing stuff to help people who need it, or, and, and also a lot of times who can't even return the favor in any way. And there's something just like incredibly internally rewarding about doing that. I mean, it's hard to be upset when you're, you know, helping Hurricane Sandy victims and, and you're looking at their circumstances, you see their heads kind of being lifted up, you know. And so I, I think from now until I'm pretty much dead, I think from, I'll always be involved or have some kind of mission project on the horizon. Uh, I think that uh, just like the military – I think, for, for me personally, I think something like the military was really good in, in kind of small doses, and I also think that serving is good in small doses as well. Some people, you know, could do it full time, but for me, that's you know, kind of me personally. That's been my experience. And uh, but I think if I don't have that, I just you know, just want to keep focused on. It, it, you can kind of like lose perspective, lose focus, lose focus. It's, it's like. Uh, uh, as if some kind of purpose that I was designed for is not being fulfilled as much. So, mm-hmm. so it's definitely just rewarding to, you know, I just book to, to, to have something on the horizon where I can, you know, go and and get outside myself to help. And that's what music helps to do anyway. It helps to kind of get outside of yourself to, 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 to an extent. So. Sure. And uh, Chris, you um, uh, you say that your music is, is more about a positive impact than narcissism and delusions of grandeur. Do you think that that's a, a problem in, in music today? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of times when I go see a rock band, you know, I want to see a narcissist on stage, you know. I mean, this is, this is why if I worked at Geffen Records, you know, I would have been, back in the day when Guns N' Roses was coming up, I would have been, you know, all on top of that band bandwagon to sign, uh, to sign that band with Axl Rose in front, man. I mean, a lot of times I want to see a star. You know, but I, mm-hmm. I, I and this is my big argument when I'm I'm approaching all kinds of DJs right now, uh, PS1, Chainsmokers, even Wolfgang Garner, um, about letting me uh, record on their tracks. And a lot of times I'm arguing to them is like there needs to be a star, there needs to be a front man. Now, but mm-hmm. that front man idealistically should take a pay, you know, uh, be one of those guys that. Uh, he uses any kind of like fame that he has, like in, in that regard, to then go and, and to kind of spread the gospel of there's greater things. You know, uh, it's, it's like when I saw Andrew Gardner that played Spider-Man in Haiti when I was there last. You know, and you know, while he's not filming movies, you know, he's doing stuff like serving the engine. I think that that's such a really good example. 
So I'm all mm-hmm. for like a front man narcissist and extinct, but I, I'm also for that kind of more or less being an act, you know, and not being yeah. something that so, so where someone's saying, "Look at me, I'm better than you." It doesn't make any sense to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, well, even as a military you're... officer, you know, I was conditioned to like you. I might be in charge, but I'm the one who eats eats last. I'm the one who goes last. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, I hope to have that same mentality in doing music. Sure. Uh, Chris, tell me about your your new record. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Tell me about your new your your band's new record. Yeah, I'm just really excited about the of course you know the new material I'm working on. Uh, I've been, I did a bunch of tracks with a DJ named Carius Vega, and another one called uh, DJ Shacklock. And so those are those are my newest tracks. And then I'm working with. Uh, DJ Jameson Hill on a bunch of new stuff, PS1, and it, it's, I think that, and then another group called G-Pop and Full Circle, and I think that uh, what's interesting to me is, is that I've produced a lot of tracks, written a lot of songs, but the, the DJs I'm working with, I mean, I'll admit, I think they're better producers than I am, so I feel I'm really excited about kind of letting go of the reins, letting those guys kind of um, almost direct me, so to speak. And uh, I think the production is competitive with, you know, what's going on out there. I think definitely G-pop stuff is, you know, just as competitive as Deadmouth and stuff. And uh, so I'm really glad to be working with them. I mean, the themes of the music, hopefully, you know, hopefully the, the lyrics and the melodies and the words I'm coming up with over some of the music that they're creating is, you know, fitting the vibe of the music. I usually try to stay out of the When I write stuff, I just try to let stay out of the way and let what the best kind of words or melodies would be kind of come out and kind of stay out of the way of it, if that makes sense. Sure, so, absolutely. Uh, but it's all dance music. Would, right. Who, 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 who do you think would win in a fight? Deadmouth, Foster the People, Duran Duran, or Pearl Jam? Uh, right now, if it was... Uh, well, let's see. If it was a fight based on uh, a fight of music, if music was the weapon, I would definitely think that probably Dead Mouse would win. I think because, uh, you know, I just think it's it's the kind of music that most people want to hear right now. I mean, even I myself kind of, I, mean, I just went to CMJ in New York, and I just kind of burned out on guitar, bass, and drums. I just feel like it's just really played out. And uh, so I would say they would. But... Uh, uh, if it came down to uh, physical strength, I would say Eddie Vedder would win because, you know, <laughs> to me, he's still some kind of, like, superhero. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. Now, he could out-sync. He could use his voice as a weapon, and he would definitely win. So. <laughs> you just mentioned that this is the type of music that most people want to hear these days. Did, did I? When did this happen? Did I fall asleep for 10 years, and I woke up, and all of a sudden... Uh, everyone's listening to, to house music. When you know, when did this start? I mean, that's just a, it's it's a it's a it's it's an interesting kind of progression of how that is. I, I think I, it, I'm not a subject matter expert on it, but I definitely remember mm-hmm. going to Bonnaroo, you know, a few years back and just seeing like, oh, what is all this like late night you know DJ stuff going on? Who cares about that? Let's go see some good indie rock bands, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I mean I'm a guitar player and. Uh, and so rock is like it, it, it's in my heart, so to speak. And uh, 
Uh, but, you know, I just, I, I think really, you know, this is just my own kind of uh, summation, but I, I think that hip-hop a little bit started trumping uh, rock. This mm-hmm. based on my observation in terms of, you know, a rock band would play, but then a hip-hop thing would come on and everyone would, like, go nuts for it. You know, start dancing. And uh, I think that kind of a rock response to hip-hop might have been some kind of conversion focus onto this electronic stuff. I mean, what what I'm finding is, like, a lot of the electronic sounds that we use, it's almost the same function as, like, a guitar riff, so to speak. So it's not mm-hmm. that it's not that far off. It's, it definitely seems like a form of a modification. But I think the sounds are objectively better. I mean, we're not put some rock tracks that I've produced on, on the same CD with, like, straight-up electronic kind of produced kind of sounds. I think the electronic ones, like, side-by-side in comparison, like, are objectively better. I think they've got more yeah. impact. Their clarity's stronger. I think um, it's, it's, it's interesting, too, because I think it's, it's cheaper to make those kind of tracks, too, and there's just just kind of sound better. There can be more depth when you're creating uh, uh, live music, you know, using all live instrumentation. But overall, I just, it's, it's, it's just object. I think it's objectively better comparing them side by side. Um, huh. Yeah, that's all just my own personal take on all of it. I don't know if that's universally would be agreed upon, but that's just based right. on yeah. Uh, well, Chris, explain the phrase "defiance is not un-American." <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I'm definitely, uh, like I said, an idealist, and I'm definitely not afraid to you know, challenge authority. You know, and I'm on, you know, I know who I am. I and mean, I am a proponent of Judeo-Christian values. I'm a proponent of American ways. And uh, I like to consider myself like the anti-Maryland Manson, so to speak, if, if, if I was able to do that, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, but that does not, that does not mean that uh, I'm a kind of like check your brain at the door type of individual. And, uh, you know, it's just, so, there's been just a lot of causes that, uh, I have literally been involved with it or um that deals with, with policy and one of those would be like finding different weaknesses in different systems where there's a lack of checks and balances. For example, like lack of checks and balances over district attorneys, lack of checks and balances over prosecutors, who could pretty much just kind of act I mean Base without probable cause to do almost anything they want to, and there's and they can just kind of hide behind certain immunities. So you know, I've been personally involved with different fights, legal battles as a lawyer to um, to challenge different systems in that way. I mean, I definitely have like stood up against a lot of federal judges that I felt were holistically unethical, fought mm-hmm. like different ethical commissions, like the Tennessee Board of Professional Responsibility that I felt was just corrupt. It can be not because there's bad people there, but mainly because there's just a lot of lack of checks and balances. The same thing with congressmen. Almost took down, tried to take down a congressman uh, in Iraq for violating DOD regulation. And you know that's not necessarily the popular thing to be a whistleblower, um, mm-hmm. but it's uh, you know it's just I think that the American way is part of having checks and balances, and when there's systems that there's parts of our systems that lack it. That's kind of where, like, a lot of kind of, you know, corrupt practices can develop. 
And um, especially when there's folks that are kind of go along, get along individuals, and they, uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or other folks who, who I, I call like careerist pigs, you know, they can um, be in positions of authority that can be abusive. So I think that it's good to question those and to try to rein in uh, accountability, which needs to be my word, right? <laughs> oh, and <just> <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, well, oh, look, I think fighting. Go ahead. No, 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 go. Finish your point. I think most of the systems, like, for example, in our country, are outstanding. I think we have the best justice system in the world. I think I love our police force. I love our military. I love the missions that our military are on. A lot of people that I have served with, like, disagree with a lot of that. And so I'm not a proponent. You know, of, of individuals going and protesting Wall Street, not even knowing what their protest is about. I'm not for like irrational defiance or just protesting to protest or anything like that, or just challenging systems uh, because you're hoping to be defiant or something of that nature. But if there is a problem, if there are flaws, then I am for good men standing up and speaking out against them. So. Sure. Uh, you do realize that you're, you're the, the name of your fan might indicate otherwise. To, I mean, people who just see it on the surface might think that you are uh, uh, calling the regular uh, American uh, values and, and whatever uh, propaganda. Yeah, you know, it can kind of go both ways, actually, you know. And uh, uh-huh. I, I, I hope that it does, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there are some fundamental American propaganda stuff and images that I, I think are super cool and great. And there's other ones that I think are not so good. And uh, so, yeah, I think you go both ways. Yeah. Um, okay. But I'm well, definitely Chris, pro pro American. Definitely. I mean, pro American. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, we have one last order of business. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. We're gonna play a game. We always play on the show. It's called Hot or Hot Mess where I give you, Chris Severe, a list of things. You tell me if they are hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? Ready. Let's open it up. First up on hot or hot mess, Avicii, hot or hot mess? Definitely hot mess. <laughs> Hot mess. <laughs> Why? Uh, you know, those, those vocals, uh, with, with the cry to the voice vocal right there, uh, although the intent was to have very emotional singing, I think it was a little pitchy. So I'm going to go with hot <laughs> mess. How about Dead Mouse? I think, I think his music is hot, man. Hot. What about Skrillex? I mean, I, I, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I think objectively, well, I think it's hot, yeah. I think it's music is hot, yeah. Ugh, that makes one of us. <laughs> How about... Uh, no, that's fair enough. Steve? There's a lot of people that are burned out on him big time, and I understand that, <laughs> you know. But I, but I think that, uh, that he's, uh, you know, I just saw him in Bonnaroo this past summer at 3 a.m., and I, I, would, I would attest that of all the acts he played there... That there would be some folks that might agree with me that it's still pretty, pretty hot. But I, again, there's a, most of my DJ friends despise it. I, I'm not allowed to mention his name around them. So anyway, yeah. 
Uh, how about uh, David Guetta, Hot or Hot Mess? I, I think it's a mess, man. I think I just don't, I think it's over. I think he's overrated. I just I, you know I, I hear so many songs that he's kind of ripping off. That I like it turns me off from him. Yeah, I just. <laughs> uh, how about Calvin Harris, Hot or Hot Mess? I, I, I I'm not like familiar enough to be able to adequately say that, so I'll just say. Hot. How about that? He paused it. <laughs> See the glass half full there. How about okay, Swedish yeah. House Mafia, Hot or Hot Mess? Uh, I'd say that they're definitely hot right now, you know. Um, I, it's not my favorite stuff. I I, I definitely, uh, the new material we're working on, I, I'm hoping to, like, unapologetically be, like, kind of more of a cascade direction. But, you know, how he uses all this Skyler Gray type individuals, all these females, I'm hoping to be, like, the male version over his tracks like that. Swedish House mm-hmm. Mafia is not necessarily in that same vein, but I, I've i got friends that are fanatical <laughs> about that act. So, Pascal would go hot. All right. Last up on Hot or Hot Mess, Justin Bieber. I was at the Victoria's Secret at fashion show after party last week. Justin Bieber was there at this party. And he had about, like, it was supposed to say, there were seven bodyguards that he had. Meanwhile, the Victoria's Secret Angels had none. And I was like, there's <laughs> something wrong with that picture. I didn't want to go around that dude. You know what I'm like, so I won't call him a hot mess because of that. That was just like, <laughs> based on that of last week, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Chris Severe, uh, follow him on Twitter at American Propag. And uh, is there, um, what, what is your website, sir? Well, right now we're just going with SoundCloud and we're going with Reverb Nation. So just go to soundcloud.com forward slash American Propaganda. But the American Propaganda site is under construction. But we pass it oh. off to like three different web designers because we're trying to get it exactly right before we release it. And we're waiting until we have the new record complete, which should be done by the end of this month. And what is the new record going to be called? This is, what's the new one going to be called? Yeah. We are between different titles on the new one. But, okay. uh, yeah, we don't, it, it, it's in a hat. I'm going to let Matt Muha, he's the guy who plays drums with me. Uh, I'm going to let him make the final call on that. So, uh, oh. which is the Russian special force. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But I like it overruled. And uh, a lot of times those guys are overruled as a good reason. So. All right, well, you you go run away from the police out there because I know they're chasing <laughs> you. And uh, yes, thank you are. so much for doing the show, sir. Yeah, man, thanks so much for what you do to music now. Appreciate it. All right, take care, sir. Thank you. All right, later. Good night. All right, that was Chris Severe. Big thanks tonight to Chris Severe uh, from American Propaganda as well as Rob Reinfruit from The Weekenders. Um, this has been Blazing Rye Radio. Remember, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. And lastly, if you have a Barbie doll, bend her backwards, burn her knuckles on the stove, cut off her hair, and leave her in some draws. Good night, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.